0: Hi, my name is Dr. Andrew Hahn. Welcome to the fourth episode of Guided Self Healing Fearless Living. Again, if you want to reach us, our website is lifecenteredtherapy.com and you can get all the information you want there. So, in this fourth episode, I'd like to continue on this big picture or what we call the meaning of it all. And this is part two of that uh, podcast. So let's go back for a second and uh, see if we can answer this question even more and have an even deeper conversation about it. And in order to do that, I'd like to start with uh, a creation myth. And of course, this creation myth is my creation myth, although I'm sure it's not mine alone. And of course, I don't know, but it does make sense of a lot of things to me. And I think it's an interesting way to look at things. And it's also very useful when we think about how to guide our own healing, which means to become who we truly are, to become whole, and what it means to live fearlessly and uh, to live, as my partner in this would say, with courage and grace. So let's start with this creation myth. And let's start with one simple assumption, which in the beginning, all there is, is life whatever we want to call that. We could call it the divine, we could call it God, we could call it source, we could call it life, we could call it the animating principle, it doesn't really matter. Whatever you want to call it, it's but it is, it is that force, that animating force, whatever that is. And in the beginning, so to speak, it's everything. There is only life, there is only that force, whatever you want to call it. And we know certain things about that force. We know that it is all-powerful and all-knowing. It's called in the the literature in the Bible, it's called omnipotent or omniscient, which is of course all-powerful and all-knowing. But there's one thing that if you're everything, you can't have. And that one thing is relationship. You can't have a relationship if you're everything. So paradoxically, you could say that life was infinite and it was limited because it could know about relationship and theoretically it could create something that could have relationship, but it can't itself have a relationship because there's nothing to have a relationship with. And uh, so, even though we have words, there are words for all loving, but there isn't the same kinds of words for all loving as there is for all knowing and all powerful. Because, as uh, if I was going to paraphrase Matthew in uh, the Bible, in order to have love, when two or more are gathered, there is love. So, it's very hard to love if there aren't two. In fact, it's probably on some level impossible. So, if life wants to create more life and more love, it has to do something. It has to create something. And in that creative process, it has to, it can't create something different because it's everything. So, what does the divine have to do? And they're, of course, called the five faces of the divine. It has to be able to create something, it has to be able to sustain it. It has to be able to destroy it, all of which, of course, is in the Bible. It has to be able to mystify it. So the thing it creates forgets, in a sense, who it truly is. And there has to be something called revelation or grace or the possibility to realize and remember who you truly are. So this is the first idea uh, in our creation myth. So what does God create in a sense, or what does life create? It creates a smaller version of itself, or as they say, we are in the image of the divine. What does that mean? It means that we are like, uh, if, if uh, the divine is all color, all light, then we are a sparkle of light. Or we are, if the divine or life was an ocean, an infinite ocean, we're like a separate, seemingly separate uh, drop of water. That's who we are. And so you could say from that point of view, life in order to experience love has to create us. Uh, And you could also say that uh, we are life's opportunity to create more life because we can have relationships. We can eat an apple, so to speak. We can be in relationship with each other. We can be in relationship with all life itself. And that leads to an interesting idea about who we are. And the best metaphor for who we are, I think, is a metaphor of holographic cells to a body. And if we think about this for a second, who are we? Well, let's think about cells and bodies as a biological metaphor. We have about 3 trillion cells. And each of them on the surface, if you looked at them theoretically, I'm not a biologist, but theoretically, if you looked at each of them, no two would be alike. They're like snowflakes, or in other words, they're like we are in a sense, no two of us are alike. Even if we're identical twins, we're not alike. And I can say that having seen pictures of my mother who was an identical twin. And uh, even though she couldn't tell the two apart, everybody else could, even though they looked a lot alike Um, because you could see there was something different about them, even identical twins. So really we could say on the surface, all of these 3 trillion cells, they're all different. But we'd also know something else, which is if we weren't looking at the surface, but we were looking at the template or the blueprint underneath, all of them have to be the same on some level. How do we know that? Well, the simplest way to know that historically is a sheep called Dolly. And really, um, although this isn't quite the story, but we'll simplify it. what What happened with Dolly is one cell of a sheep was taken. It was really two, but for our purposes, let's say it was one. One cell of a sheep was taken and a whole sheep was created. So that's very interesting. So we know that all the information to create the whole body is in every cell. Or if we like Blake and the mystical traditions, we could say the universe in the grain of sand and the grain of sand is the universe. Both are the same on one level, even though on another level, they aren't the same. And it's this funny paradox of the fact that we are both particular and universal simultaneously that leads to uh, a great understanding of what healing is. Because healing really is to come to this realization of who we truly are. And if we come to that realization, we come to this funny idea of our relationship with life. Because if we have these 3 trillion cells, well, each of them is in relationship to the whole body. So I'm in relationship to the whole body, I'm in relationship to each other cell, and I am the whole body. So it's a funny kind of thing to say that I can be in relationship with the whole body and I am the whole body, and so is every other cell. Every other living being is in the same situation, which of course leads to an interesting idea, which is when it says, love thy neighbor as thyself, what we're really saying is, on one level, your neighbor is yourself. So when you love your neighbor on one level, you're really loving yourself. And when you hate your neighbor or you judge your neighbor or you compare yourself to your neighbor or whatever it is you do, really what you're doing is just, saying something about yourself on some level, something that you haven't been able to own because you don't know that you are your neighbor. And in fact, you're everything and everything is who you are. Who you are is everything and everything is who you are. So we have this funny kind of uh, trinity, right? That we are the divine, that we're in relationship with the divine and that we're in relationship with each other, all of whom are divine. And what is our work? What is free will? Free will really from my point of view is the revelation of who we are. So we can go around in a trance at which point we will someday realize who we are, but we go kind of kicking and screaming or we are able to become aware of who we truly are at which point we just smile with everything because we know that everything is life. Even though while on a personal level, of course, we experience a lot of pain, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. But on a deeper level, we know that it's just a story we're telling ourselves. It's not who we are. It's just an experience we're having. That's what it is. Now, this of course leads to some interesting ideas, because if we think about these 3 trillion cells, right? Well, if you took one you know, if you took a pinky cell on my right hand and you took a little toe cell on my left foot and I was identified with each of those cells, I would think that that other being is light years away. In fact, I didn't even know that a foot existed down there because, you know, we didn't have big telescopes. So we, didn't, but we just found out that this thing that looked like enormous space, that was actually, there was some kind of matter on the other side of it, hundreds of thousands of light years away. And we have to go and explore it, but we don't have big enough spaceships, right? It would take us such a long time. But we would know in another way that we you know holographically, you know, whatever is happening in that little, little toe cell and whatever's happening in pink the pinky have to be happening simultaneously, because otherwise you couldn't take one cell and create an adult sheep, you couldn't do it. So all of the information is all happening simultaneously. It's just that each cell wouldn't be aware of that because they seem like they're so far apart and how would that information travel? Now, what I'd like us to open to again is this mystical concept that who we truly are is mystical holographic cells in a mystical body called the body of life. And so that everything we do in a sense creates more life. The only question then is, are we doing it in a trance, at which point we're just repeating the same thing over and over and over again? Or are we be waking up, becoming aware? And we'll know that, you know, when we can say yes to everything, we're truly aware. And the best exemplar of that, of course, you know, is Jesus becoming Christ, you know, and, uh, you know, before he's crucified, he's screaming at the father, why hast thou forsaken me? So as an exemplar, he's kind of stuck, right? He's judging, he's comparative, he needs to understand, he can't just be with what is. And then of course, there's revelation and there's grace and he realizes who he truly is. And then he goes right before he's being crucified and he says, forgive them for they know not what they're doing or what they've done, because there is no such thing as time, obviously, if it's all happening simultaneously, right? They know not what they've done. They're blind. What is sin? Sin is a kind of blindness, you know? A blindness is when we're not aware of who we truly are. So he says this, or if we think about uh, the captain at sea who says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I've come to this revelation. So what I would say free will is, from my point of view, is only one thing. It's like the classroom is already set up, right? It's what our relationship with it is going to be. Do we do it from a place of awareness or do we just do it like automatons going through the motions? And really what I would say life is, is like learning through experience, which is the hard way to learn, but how most of us learn, sometimes we learn because somebody tells us something or sometimes we learn because we can imagine it and then we may not have to go through it but most of us learn through experience. And uh, there are certain experiences, of course, that when we identify with the personal are things that we can't, as I said before, take in stride. And of course, when you can't take something in stride, as we said before, you get stuck. It's like life in that way is uh, opportunities to be able to take everything in stride and to say everything on a deeper level is love, even though on a personal level, it can be very, very painful, right? So really what we're looking for is to be able to accept all of who we are and to know that on the deepest level, that would mean to accept ourselves and all of who we are and to accept everything else because on one level of course we are everything else so that would just be more accepting of ourselves at which point we would have no reactivity we would have no judgmentalism we would never compare ourselves we would never have this compulsive need to understand because we could just be with life as it is and then of course we wouldn't identify with anything we would just say i'm having experiences it's not that who i am is andy you could say i'm andying right because as soon as you know that who you are is everything, which is a flow of energy, it's a verb, right? There are no nouns. There just appear to be nouns to us. So our work is to go from identifying with anything, a victim, a perpetrator, or whatever it is that we identify with, uh, um, being a man, being, White in my case, being Jewish, being whatever, that's who I am. As opposed to this idea that I'm just having verbs, I'm experiencing Jewishness, I'm experiencing manness, but it's not who I am, they're just experiences that I get to hold or host, if we want to be spiritual about it, and witness. Who I am is the one who's experiencing all the experiences, you could say that's who I am. And from that point of view, it's like being in a play. It's not who I am. It's just an experience I'm having. You know, I don't identify with it. I can have any experience and I'll just say yes, because I can accept myself, which means that I can accept all of life. And I think that's actually what we're trying, we're all aspiring to. or at least that's my opinion. That doesn't make it the case, of course, but it seems to me that that's what we're doing. We're all aspiring to this, to remembering who we are. So what is free will? Free will is do we choose to remember or do we go around in a trance? That's the choice. And as I was saying to you already, when you go into a trance is when there is something that comes along that in your particularity you can't take in stride, or can't be taken in stride, or can't be handled. And what we know then is you stop being a verb and you start being dense. And I mean that word in both senses of the word dense. I mean dense, meaning like we think we're solid, and dense, meaning we have forgotten something, right? Because we now identify as a noun and we think I am Andy, or I am my experience, or I am my feelings, or I am whatever it is that I am. And, uh, then I get very scared because not to be Andy would mean non-existence. And so if I identify with the particular, it would be like you know a raindrop about to fall into the sea and it's like doing everything it can using amazing amounts of energy not to fall through gravity into the sea, even though we know on one level, what is gravity? Gravity is just love. It's when two things are attracted to each other. So you could say the sea is calling that drop, but the drop would say, I would rather be dead and be drawn to you. I, I, I hate you because if I uh, become you, I'll get lost. But really, of course, you'd be getting found. You just wouldn't know. So, but you say, no, I am this raindrop. I'm not the this ocean, this thing, with, like this everything thing to me. I just can't go there because I would cease to exist. And so, as soon as that happens, we have to identify with a noun. And when, of course, we identify as a noun, we do a very interesting thing. It's called reification or objectification. We turn ourselves into a thing, right? Nouns are things. It's like uh, the universe is actually, you know, if we think about things in a certain way. You could say the universe is like verbs, right? But we turn it into things. The universe is uh, a wave, but we turn it in our Sense of limitation into a particle. Say, how can a particle and a wave be the same thing? How can you, uh, if you know the two slit experiment, it's like, you know, you send these uh, particles through two slits and uh, uh, sometimes they come out as a wave and sometimes they come out as particles. And the only difference is our relationship with them. If we could just say yes to who you truly are, then we can experience that wave and its suchness and we get something that's a flow. But if we can't, and we have to study it and we don't know what this is, we have to understand it, have to, it'll accommodate us and become a thing that we can understand. But it's not its true nature, you could say, although it's, it is its nature, it's not, perhaps it's true nature. Just like I'm not Andy, that is not my true nature. But I might identify with Andy, at which point I turn myself into a particle. I'm no longer a wave. And if we do that with everything, we, in a sense, we demystify, we we take something that's truly magical and make it not as magical. I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, Someone once said this to me, it's very lovely. And it's to understand the word E-N-T-R-A-N-C-E. E-N-T-R-A-N-C-E. And I wanna give you a few seconds to just say, what's that word? And uh, it's interesting because it's the word entrance, which of course you can point to, right? But it's also entrance, which you can't point to. And if we turn it into an entrance, then it's a particle. But if we uh, experience it as entrance, it's not a particle. So I would say who we are is that which is going from being identified as a particle to being identified as this flowing energy that encompasses or envelops everything. Or to put it differently, we turn ourselves from an envelope which holds everything to something that is enveloping everything and being enveloped, which of course you can't point to either, but it is a kind of embracing. So the invitation here is to embrace all of life. And you know, you never know what you're gonna say, which is always so interesting. You start up and you say, I wonder what life is gonna reveal to us when we just like open to it, right? So I wanna say, right, that ultimately what we know is that who we are is everything and everything is who we are. Which means of course, when we go back to talking about healing next time, means we have access to everything right now. Everything that had ever happened is happening and potentially can happen. That's who we are. And the information is available to us simultaneously because it just looks to us like it's happening hundreds of light years away. But what's happening a hundred light years away, we can know right now, all we have to do is move our attention from the surface particularity to the depth of like this, evolving life that takes in all experiences. So we could go back and say like, you know, when that happens, a couple things happen. When we're doing our healing work, we know that we can open, that all information is available to us right now, even if we're not aware of it. And from that point of view, since someone in the universe knows Swahili, I know Swahili, I could know theoretically what it is to be a tree. It's all the same animating force. I am the tree, or I am treeing. You could say, and uh, you know, and we could get to be with each other that way too. Except then one thing would be different because we would then be the particular and the universal, or what we call self-aware unity consciousness. And when we do that, I think we help life. We help life by creating more life, which creates more love. Right? So we are life's opportunity that life created to experience love. And uh, that's why when I work with anybody, all I'm working with is love. I sometimes forget. Or when I'm working with myself, I'm working with love. Can I just say yes to everything without reactivity? Can I accept everything, including the changes that will naturally happen if I don't slow down the process by identifying with some part of it and say, I'm gonna stay as far away from something as possible because then all I'm doing is stopping an evolutionary flow. What we here call, you know, a spiraling infinity loop that keeps evolving and evolving and evolving, you know, until it comes to this point where identity and love come together into something we call self-awareness. And then truly we remember who we are. And I think all healing, which means to become whole, also means to remember all of who we are, to remember that who we are is everything, that we are all the same animating force. And when we really are with it, not when we think about it, but when we're really with it, we know this is true. And then we can listen to the soft voice that tells us what is our part that we get to play in this evolving, remembering so that we can truly create more life as opposed to being stuck in a trance. But at least if you're stuck in a trance, there's a chance to be entranced. And having said that, next time, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about this in the context, both of healing and how we can get information. Because what I said before is, life gives us this opportunity over and over and over again to remember the parts of us that are split off because something couldn't be handled and integrated. And of course, where we wanna do that is we have to find out really, what is the nature of our stuckness? And in a linear sense, where did it crystallize? Because what it did was it became crystal, right? It it, went from a flow to something dense. And what has to happen if awareness isn't enough? If just saying, I'm here with you isn't enough, if whoever that is says, I need something more, what do we have to give them so they can remember who they are? Because who they are is just living beings like we are. We just call it by the wrong name. We call it sick to stomach or tight throat or whatever but tight throat is a living being just like Andy's a living being who was born in a moment it's had a life and it too wants to become what it truly is which is free-flowing energy and when we give it all of our attention without judgment and we can say yes I can handle that experience now I can integrate it It will go into its pure form and suddenly sick to stomach. won't be noticeable anymore because it will become a wave and not a particle and not make you feel sick. So having said all this, until next time, thank you so much for listening and we will continue our journey and I can't wait. Bye. Oh, and again, LifeCenteredTherapy.com, Andy Hahn.